Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's a new investment crypto bulls are pouring millions into that barely anyone is talking about. Nah, it's not like an Ethereum killer or a SHIB token. Its market size is expected to grow $1 trillion in the next few years, according to accounting firm Deloitte. And until today, only the richest people in the world can access this investment. I'm talking about like Jeff Bezos' amount of wealth. But now, everyday people like you and me can get in on the action. And there's only one platform that's opening the door to this exclusive world. Masterworks.io the $1 billion unicorn makes it possible for you to invest in the global art market. Imagine top-tier pieces that hang on mansions and museums like Banksy and Monet, but now instead of paying $30 million for a Rembrandt, you can invest in one through Masterworks and own a piece of it. It's similar to owning a piece of a Bitcoin, but instead, it's a painting. Early investors have already seen a 32% annualized return from Banksy paintings alone, and their past offerings have sold out in less than two hours. So if you want to join the 230,000 Masterworks members already revolutionizing the art world, you can skip the waitlist by my link, masterworks.io slash decrypt. That's masterworks.io slash decrypt. Sign up to see what paintings are currently available. And remember to see the important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have Big Clout and Diesel creator Nader Al Naji and other news. That's today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, October 27th, 2021, and they decided to take down a monster tree two doors down from me. So if you hear chainsaws and chopping and grinding and people because they're taking down forests right next to me and there's nothing I can do about it. I got a couple more emails that I want to read for you uh, about the unrealized capital gains to just further our conversation. I think on Thursday or Friday, I'll tell you my opinion on it, but I want to read these emails for you. And the first one comes from Nick. And Nick says, apologies in advance, as this reads like a ramblings of a madman. Dear Matthew, I originally wrote you a long rant and since I've decided that I am completely torn between my views of taxing unrealized capital gains. What I do know is that if this was rolled down to the middle class, it would only feel like a huge middle finger to anyone that has tried to take financial responsibility for themselves and invest. I happily pay my income taxes, my state tax, my sales tax, my property tax, and whatever else I missed. The money I have invested is money that I've earned and I've already paid taxes on and then decide to forego its present use and assume the risk in hopes that it grows over time and that one day I can afford to have to not mine fiat currency, 40 plus hours a week, and spend more time with my wife and soon to be born child. My view is in no way to knock against anyone in a left privileged position and can't afford to invest. But all in all, anyone in the middle class is always closer to being homeless than they are to be in the top 1%. However, I believe there could be additional taxes added to the 1% without diminishing their quality of life in any material way. Also, congrats on the laser eye surgery that you had earlier this year. I got mine last December and it was life-changing. Nick. Thanks, Nick. And yeah, my laser eye surgery is doing really well. I think it's amazing. I had my whole Elysium rant about that, but <laughs> anyway, thanks, man. Thanks for writing in. And yeah, yeah, I'm going to comment on all of this maybe tomorrow or Friday. 
Anyway, Jason from yesterday wrote back and he said, man, I feel like a dipshit. LOL. I'm a noob to crypto. If you haven't already noticed, unrealized capital gains is a terrible idea. (laughs) I was a bit mistaken. My apologies for the leftist rant. I'm all for regulations and paying a higher tax rate for passive income, but my original comment isn't without warrant. We're the richest country in the world, but that trickle down never came. And worse yet, now corporations and the wealthy have teams of tax lawyers to get them out of paying for their fair share. Would our country be in the situation that we are in now if we haven't had delinquent tax income from the top echelon of this country? I love capitalism, but it's severely broken. Make your money and pay your bills. The latter doesn't happen. Sorry for the long-winded response. I hope you get in office, my man. We need level-headedness in D.C. Take care, Jason. Jason, thank you for the follow-up. Thank you for listening every day. So follow up the day after. I appreciate that. But please, first thing I want to say to you is never apologize for your opinions. Never apologize for your emails. Never apologize for anything. This is a discussion. And I don't want people to feel embarrassed or feel uh, slighted by having their own opinions and joining in the conversation. I think that we do that too often in the society, in this day and age, in politics, in crypto, and that we just shut down ideas and conversations that we don't want to listen to. We don't allow opposing positions. We don't allow our positions and our ideas to bend and change and develop and evolve. Then we have to feel bad about voicing our opinions because they might be right or might be wrong or have some pushback. Everybody who listens to this show Always know that no matter what you send in an email form to me to be read on the show or in voice form or in any form, I will always take it openly and respectfully and comment with my opinions by in no means you should never apologize for whatever rant or whatever you want to say. This is an open forum. This is a discussion. And the only way we can grow is by learning from each other and sharing ideas. Jason, thank you for two emails. Now, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 1041 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $59,174, down 4.7% in 24 and almost 11% in 7. It's over, everybody. It's the bear market. It's time to go home, pack it up. Come on. If you hear anybody saying that, please just, you know, just mute them for like the next couple of months. We're fine. We're fine. Okay. So I, I saw some funny stuff on Twitter and people just being just like weird because we had a little bit of pullback. Look, we went over to like $65,000, $66,000 and now we're back to fifty nine. And some people are just going to be bearish. That's silly. I know it's a little hypocritical of me because I just said like, welcome everybody's opinions with respect and open arms and, and acceptance. But that one, you could just, you know, just you can block that one out. Stay in your bubble. Stay in your bull bubble. <laughs> Ethereum's in the number two spot at $4,026, down 3.1%. Binance Coin, $456, down 5.5%. Tether's in the number four spot, and Cardano's at $1.99, down 7.6% in 24. Running off the top 10, we have Solana, XRP, Polkadot, USDC, and Dogecoin. SHIB. SHIB. Number 11, $24 billion market cap, up 36% in 24 hours, 129% in seven days. Shib, what are you doing there in a number 11 spot? Total market cap, we're at $2.48 trillion, a BTC dominance of 44.9%, and an ATH dominance of 19.1. And now it's time for Coin of the Day. Our Coin of the Day today is Orchid number 181 on Coin Market Cap. Price is 41.3 cents, down 7.6% in 24. Market cap. 
$285 million. Fully diluted market cap, $413 million. So we have about, and they don't have many little percentage over there, so I'm just going to just fly by night here. Let's call it 65% circulating supply. Its all-time high was $1.02, so it's down about 60% from its all-time high set seven months ago. And its all-time low was two years ago at $0.10, cents, so it's up 300% from there. Huh, not as much gains as a lot of other ones we've heard, but it's interesting that they're actually kind of maintaining their uh, their kind of their equilibrium-ish in the crypto space and crypto sense. Where can you buy this? Well, you can buy it on Coinbase, Binance, Binance.us, Bithum, uh, Huobi, well, everywhere. And there's plenty of volume and plenty of confidence and plenty of liquidity. So go ahead and trade your Orchid crypto. So what does Orchid do? So it looks like Orchid is a decentralized VPN. No data collection, no third-party sharing, no profit markup. A new model of VPN. They said that you fund your Orchid account, connect to a random provider, and pay for what you actually use. It's crypto-powered, nano-payment ecosystem, random servers, unlimited sharing. I, It seems pretty interesting. No subscriptions, no tracking fee, open source, decentralized, um, unblock website apps, flexible. Well, it's a decentralized VPN, apparently. Curious how it works. Curious if it's fast. Curi- just curious about it, actually. Well, check it out. If anybody does, you know, check out this product, please email me, matthewyourinet at crypt.co. Know if you're Orchid, you can't come on the show. But I do want to hear your opinion of it if you are actually using it and you are a listener. And now without more rambling, let's talk to Nader Al-Naji, the creator of Deso and BitCloud. Hey, it's great to meet you, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Excellent, excellent. Look, you have a lot of things going on these days, and I just want to get to the bottom of a couple of them. Um, the first one is going to be BitCloud. A lot of people know about that. I want you to explain that. And the second one is DSO, which is a decentralized social network. It's just probably something that we need right now in the world. <laughs> but first, let's talk about BitCloud. It launched a little bit ago, and just tell me what's going on with BitCloud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's actually easier if I start with DSO, uh, the decentralized okay. social blockchain. Um, so since early 2019, uh, I, I started working on this blockchain uh, that is custom built to power social applications. Um, and, you know, our thesis is basically that, um, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum have done a great job of decentralizing financial applications and they've captured trillions of dollars, you know, collectively uh, from from that disruption, uh, but they're not really suited to power social applications. Uh, and we think that the blockchain that can power, so the first blockchain that can actually power and scale social applications uh, can similarly uh, disrupt the trillion dollar social media industry and capture trillions of dollars as well. Um, and so that's why, uh, you know, I started working on DSO, the blockchain, uh, and it's a blockchain that can support uh, creating a profile, putting posts on it, uh, follow the follow graph, uh, and then all kinds of interesting uh, kind of uh, uh, blockchain native features like, uh, for example, tipping, uh, having a social coin attached to your profile or NFTs. Uh, and so that's the blockchain. It's kind of this infrastructure layer called the DSO blockchain. And BitCloud was the first app that was built on the DSO blockchain that launched in March. Uh, and so uh, it was an app that kind of showcased a lot of the features and really like a prototype uh, for us to test uh, all of the stuff that we've been working on since early 2019. So I was uh, on, on uh, BitCloud and I was looking at it and I was, I was because I wanted to get on BitCloud. Uh, but I see people like <laughs> Elon Musk, Thomas Palaiopatia, uh, Justin Bieber, uh, and they all have a price that's uh, associated with their name. Can you tell me how that works? Absolutely. Um, so uh, on on any DSO app, not just BitCloud. Uh, and by the way, there are over 100 apps built on DSO uh, now, you know, since since BitCloud launched in March. It was the first one. 
but um, on any app, you can have a coin associated with your profile. So you go to make your profile on BitCloud or for example, diamondapp.com or supernovas.app. These are just other apps that you can use to access the blockchain. Uh, but uh, when you go to make your profile, you make a username, a description, uh, and then you actually set a fee uh, that you can uh, get every time someone buys or sells your, your coin. Uh, so there's a coin associated with your profile. Uh, and you can choose to turn that off. So you, don't, you can just choose to not have a coin and use it uh, just like you would use Twitter. Uh, it, you know, the, the features are similar. You can make posts, follow people. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, but um, but a lot of people who choose to have that turned on, uh, you know, they get a lot of money in in uh, speculative activity uh, on their coin, and also people who support who want to support them. They they really like them and they want to be involved, uh, invest in them, and so it's a great uh, new kind of relationship you can have with your fans. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Chamath Palihapitiya, and um, also uh, uh, got a got a Tesla. So those are two two of my two of my dudes there. So Elon yeah. came, went went to BitCloud, and Chamath went to BitCloud, and they made their their token. Uh, n- not quite. So Chamath has a prof- has claimed his profile. So Chamath is on there. Uh, so when you invest in Chamath, uh, he's going to see that actually. Uh, and uh, some people have have gotten messages from him who have invested in him, which is great. Uh, yeah. So other people have a, a clock icon next to their name. Uh, and that means they have a reserved profile. So that means that uh, they have not joined the platform yet. There is already a coin waiting for them that you can invest in. Um, and so uh, the reason we did that when we launched BitCloud, uh, in part, it's to reserve that handle so that no one else can take it. Uh, but mm. another reason is that by pre-creating that coin, uh, that means that creators can start seeing the value of having uh, a profile with that coin before they even join. Uh, so for example, if you look at Elon Musk, uh, you can actually go to his profile and you'll see that he has over a million dollars in his own coin, money that he's made on his own coin, even though he hasn't joined yet. So, uh, you know, how many social networks uh, can, are there where you have money on it before you've even joined? Uh, and so, uh, so Elon has a reserve profile, so he's not on there, uh, but you can invest in his coin. And if he ever claims it, then, uh, you know, that, that'll actually be uh, his profile. It, it, I, just because I'm, I'm curious, is it legal to use? I mean, I guess not legal is not the right word. Is it is maybe it is. But I mean, Elon's a public kind of a public figure. So I guess it could be. But maybe Naval might not be um, or Chamath. But and it's probably good if they claim it. But if people are trading, say, the likeness of the coin of Elon, is that actually uh, is that allowable? Uh, I've worked with uh, many law firms, spent millions uh, making sure that we're compliant and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's similar to Yelp, how Yelp put restaurants up, you know, early on in the internet. Um, there, there's really nothing wrong with it. Uh, but more importantly, you know, I think, you know, being legal is kind of the bare minimum. I mean, I think you get like a D plus, like not even a passing grade if you're just legal. I think much more than that is kind of what's the good that you're doing? Because a lot of things are legal, but they're not actually good for, for people. Uh, and so to me, uh, you know, the, the idea of putting someone's profile on the platform before they've joined uh, really is is as a benefit. I mean, it's really as something where uh, before you even join, you can have tens of, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's really changed a lot of people's lives. A lot of people who were lesser known creators, but who had a lot of followers on Twitter, never made any money off of Twitter, they joined. And they got, you know, some of them a year's income just from joining uh, and from, from us doing this. And, and that's really, uh, you know, that benefit is why uh, we did it. And, and the other thing about it is, uh, if someone doesn't want their profile or they want to have it taken down, um, you know, they can just request that. And it's really, really easy. Uh, and, um, and the mods will do that. But um, the mods of BitCloud, at least, will do that. Social media is over, and we know it's well over a, a trillion dollars. It's trillions of dollars of, of, of an industry. You, you mentioned that as a, we want to see if we can't make a decentralized social 
network blockchain because of a multi-trillion dollar industry. Is the motivation money or is the motivation something deeper than the money aspect? You know, the big reason I started looking at this space is really to solve the problems that are inherent to the traditional social media companies and their business models. Social media today uh, with Facebook is predominantly driven on ads. Uh, and ads are not only, you know, not enjoyable, but they cause a lot of misalignments. So for example, um, you know, a lot of the time, if your business model is based on ads, uh, you actually kind of prefer inflammatory things to spread or, or misinformation to spread because that increases engagement, allows you to show more ads. Uh, and it also causes you to want to uh, wall off your content and create a walled garden around everyone's posts so that, you know, there's only one place that anyone can see that, which is your apps. Um, and so really with DISO, what we're doing, uh, it, you know, it's kind of two really big innovations. The first is that because we built these social features on a blockchain, we have access to what we call blockchain native or money native features like the coin or like buying and selling NFTs that have allowed creators who have made zero after being on social media for 10 years uh, to suddenly join uh, any app built on DISO like BitCloud or DiamondApp.com, like I mentioned, and instantly make tens of thousands or more. And so just inherently allowing creators to make more money by having this kind of money native technology, which is the blockchain, is, is a really big innovation. Um, and then the other side of the coin is when you, put, uh, when you put social media on a blockchain, all the content's actually open by default. Uh, and that means anyone can build on it. And that's why, you know, it's kind of weird you're hearing me talk about not just BitCloud, I'm talking about diamondapp.com and, and supernovas.app. There's also polygram.cc and uh, uh, Pulse and FlickApp. And, and all of these apps are uh, views on the blockchain. So if you make a post on one of the apps, you actually show up in all of the others. So if you make a post on BitCloud, you show up on Diamond. Um, and uh, you know, that's really gonna enable a lot of competition and innovation in social that we've never seen before. Um, and I think can also solve a lot of those misinformation problems and things like that. So you did mention uh, you, the, the statement that you made, uh, made earlier was that there's a lot of inherent problems with social media. The, the one that you did say was ads and the other one that you did say was mis misinformation. What are some other problems with social media that you're seeing that you're trying to solve? Creators aren't making anywhere near the amount of money that they deserve by being on these platforms. Um, you know, and, and it's for two reasons. Uh, the first is that they have a company sitting in between them and their followers uh, and an opaque algorithm that kind of uh, uh, gets in between their message and their fans. Uh, but the second reason is that ads are not as efficient as, uh, you know, like direct money native features like the creator coins that I mentioned, having a coin associated profile or NFTs uh, or diamonds, which are a, a tipping feature that's native to the blockchain. Um, and so just by allowing creators to have that direct relationship, when you make a post on the blockchain, uh, you know, it shows up in, you know, over a hundred apps already. Uh, you know, that's very different and it allows the creator actually to have much more reach than they normally have. Uh, and then the second big thing is just, you know, the way that your fans can engage with you is way more efficient. Um, you know, so they like, they see a post that you like, they give you a diamond. It's, it's a tip, basically like $5, $100, sometimes $1,000. Allowing creators to make more money is a really big problem uh, that we're trying to solve with DSO. I, I love that. I love that. Um, but is everybody creators? And I, I guess that if you put a put in it, this can be very deep and philosophical, if you will. Uh, but uh, if you put a piece of content on social media, as uh, if it's Facebook or um, Twitter or whatever, you're creating content. You are apps, a, a creator. Um, would you call every person that is on a social media platform a creator? And is, is that what you're trying to reference or just actually the creative creators that make like the the cool TikTok videos or the great YouTube videos or something like that. Everybody who's benefiting from this new business model. So uh, for example, all of my friends who are not well-known 
uh, made profiles uh, on DSO via Diamond or BitClout. Uh, and they've all made money on, on their apps because uh, it's very easy, for example, to tip. So for example, uh, other people have seen their posts and uh, on Diamond or on BitCloud or on any of these apps, uh, you can give a like, which is, which is nothing, or you can give a diamond, which is anywhere between a penny to $1,000. Uh, and so even my friends who are not well known, just because it's so easy to give, uh, you know, have made, you know, like over $100 each, uh, you know, let alone the investing they've done in creators, uh, you know, finding creators who are, uh, you know, undiscovered or, or should have more reach than they do and in investing in them. Uh, but, you know, just, just from their content, because, again, it's so easy to give via that diamond tipping feature, um, they're, they're benefiting, too. This might be a I don't want to take this question negatively, but is this is this a naive idea? Because, look, we consume and we create via these uh, social media platforms now for free. We consume for free. We engage for free. We don't have to uh, put any money in. We watch an ad from, you know, whatever, uh, Febreze. I see Febreze a lot on YouTube and they pay their uh, their creators um, and you still make decent money on YouTube if you, you know, make the algorithm happy. Is it a naive to think that people are just going to tip? I know it's the novelty of the, of the crypto space to tip and to send crypto around and stuff like that. I mean, so we do it. I just sent somebody, you know, uh, yesterday at a Bitcoin meetup, um, $11 on the Lightning Network just to show how fast it was because, hey, look at look at it work, you know. Uh, but is this a naive idea to think that this is can be the way that the social media could be structured in the future? Well, uh, actually, Matt, it's not it's not theoretical. So if you look at, at BitCloud or Diamond, uh, for every three likes you get, you get a diamond, and that's about ten cents. Uh, so already, you know, posts that you're you're making, people are tipping. We're, we're seeing it. We're seeing the the inclination to give uh, uh, play out, and we're seeing creators make a lot more money just from that feature. Um, and diamonds are actually the least biggest money maker. Uh, NFTs are actually bigger than diamonds for creators. Uh, creators can make thousands of dollars by selling, um, you know, a piece of art or a piece of content. Uh, and then, of course, the coins are the biggest, where just by having a small fee on your coin, uh, your friends invest in you or people who like you invest in you, people who you meet invest in you because they believe in you. Uh, and that's the biggest moneymaker. Uh, and so the diamond is altruistic. It's like a, I want to give because I like what I saw. Uh, but the NFTs and the, and the creator coins are actually mixing a piece of uh, alignment or, or kind of uh, getting on your team that doesn't exist that I think uh, can actually be just uh, strictly more compelling than um, you know, watching an ad or, or even giving for free. What do you think of the future of social media looks like? Look, we see Facebook talking about a rebrand, which would be absolutely big. I mean, honestly, there'd be, uh, I think, trying to stop their own demise. Uh, but we see Facebook trying to rebrand. We see, uh, you know, social media uh, in the news a lot and a lot of conversation about what it's doing to either people and their mental health and so on and so forth. What do you think social media will look like in the future? Do you think that uh, DSO blockchain will be the power of those? Or do you think that there's going to be multiple spinoffs of different ideas of what a new social network looks like? Yeah, well, well, the interesting thing is today, social media is centrally planned and completely opaque to us as the public. Um, so it's basically, you know, a giant mega corporation or two or three giant mega corporations uh, with middle managers working on these kind of monolithic apps that like we all we all just have to use these three apps. Right. Um, and so I think the future is going to be a lot more efficient, specifically when you take all that content and instead of having it locked up um, in these kind of opaque, centrally planned organizations, it's open and anyone can build on it. And now you're harnessing the ingenuity of anybody in the world thousands, tens of thousands of entrepreneurs 
And other countries, not just Silicon Valley, believe it or not, can now uh, build apps that are competitive because uh, they're not frozen out by these um, these mega corporations. And so I think the Hmm. future of social media is, um, you know, potentially uh, uh, thousands of entrepreneurs all over the world working together, less middle management, less red tape, moving faster, creating more competitive products. And I think that's pretty exciting. Do you think that we can stop the uh, misinformation problem if we have a decentralized like that? How, how do we how do we combat some of the problems that we have right now? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, some of the things that were released or brought out by uh, the Facebook slash Instagram whistleblower uh, were internal documents of how they are monetizing, how they are targeting things that they know already that are, are detrimental to society. Do you think that a DSO blockchain or a decentralized uh, social media could help in some way? Absolutely. And so the problem of moderation is probably the thing I've thought the most about. And the thing I think decentralized social has the strongest uh, uh, likelihood of impacting very positively. And um, really simply, transparency is the key, I believe, to solving uh, the moderation problem. Um, And so just to give you an example today, uh, when misinformation is spreading, let's say on Instagram or on Facebook uh, or on Twitter, we as the public don't really have much transparency into that. We rely on these private companies to find and, and, and stop the misinformation. And here's the crazy thing. Often they make more money when misinformation is spreading than when they're showing real truth to their users, right? So right. it's a very weird situation where we don't have transparency and the gatekeepers are actually not aligned to stopping it. In contrast, when you put all of the content on a blockchain, when all of it's open, uh, everybody in the world can kind of see, okay, this is spreading this is why it's spreading. And now suddenly we can have the best researchers in the world studying and tracking the spread of misinformation and have a conversation about it that we're not having today because we don't even know uh, what's spreading and how. Um, And so once misinformation is identified, that's the first step. Uh, And then the next step is uh, actually issuing regulations or or creating new laws uh, around, okay, how do we as a society want to deal with misinformation? Who do we want to be liable and how? And we know we can now know suddenly, okay, this is what's spreading and how, and we can make laws around that and regulate that and have hold people accountable who aren't accountable today. Love it. Love it. Diamond hands. I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, talking about BitClout, DSO blockchain, and well, just some ideas about what a social media in the future looks like. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, sir. Moving into today's headlines. FDIC Chair Yelena McWilliams is one of the country's top financial regulators, believes that it's time for banks to hold cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin for themselves and their clients. She said, my goal with this interagency group is basically provide a path for banks to be able to act as a custodian for these assets, use crypto assets, digital assets as some form of collateral. Remember Brian Brooks, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency? Well, in June 2020, he established rules allowing federal banks and saving associations to take custody of crypto assets on behalf of clients. And he said... From safe deposit boxes to virtual vaults, we must ensure banks can meet the financial service needs of their customers today. Basically, everybody's getting bullish that banks and institutions should be able to hold cryptocurrencies for their clients and for themselves. Timbaland, like pretty much my all-time favorite producer, is auctioning and releasing NFT collectibles on Ethereum. You know Timberland, the producer, Aaliyah, Miss Elliott, Jay-Z, JT, Justin Timberlake, that Timberland? I promise you I'm going to be lined up there bidding on these NFTs no matter what the price. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me take that back. I, oh, there is a price, but I'm going to try my best to get these NFTs. Anyway, 
They're launching on November 2nd, election day, by the way, go out and vote. Timberland's NFT collectibles are built around tracks from his upcoming EP entitled Opera Noir. Each of the songs of the EP has been split into a handful of individual elements, including beats, hooks, and stems, which will be auctioned off individually as NFTs. Ultimately, collectors want to amass at least two of the NFTs, where they'll be able to access a web-based mixing app, like a streamlined uh, take on Apple's GarageBand, apparently, that'll let them plug into the song components and manipulate them to create a custom mix. That's pretty cool. So basically, Timberland is NFTing his own hooks, his own beats, his own whatever, and you're going to be able to use your NFTs to make your own custom mixes and collaborate, and that's super dope. I'm looking forward to the album, by the way. Timbo is dropping a new album. I'm stoked. Timbaland NFTs, November 2nd. Freaky, freaky, freaky. We have chainsaws in the back. Can you hear them? Anyway, and finally, the U.S. government is auctioning just under $300,000 worth of Bitcoin this week. And we just don't know why they keep doing this. Because if you guys remember back in 2014, they auctioned around 30,000 Bitcoin, which was only $19 million. Well, Tim Draper came and scooped that up. Now it's worth about $1.7 billion. How much did he pay for it? Nobody knows. But he has now billions of dollars in Bitcoin. If you guys remember back in February of 2020, the U.S. government sold 4,000 Bitcoin, then worth $37 million. Now it's worth $240 million. So why do they keep selling it instead of hodling? Who knows? And why do they keep auctioning? If there's some kind of legal reason why they're auctioning it and just not selling it spot in like an exchange or OTC... Let me know, Matthew Ernest at Decrypt.co, but it doesn't make sense that they're trying to go through all this rigmarole of auctioning it, and that seems like a big like waste of time. If you just want to sell your Bitcoin, you don't want to hodl it, call Sam Bankman-Fried and say, hey, I want to OTC this shit, and then, and then off it, and you don't have to deal with it. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know why they're doing this, but there must be some kind of like legal government reason that they can't just sell it. They have to auction it. Let me know if you do know. Thank you for listening to this unreasonably long episode of the Crypt Daily. I'll be back tomorrow. Same Matt time, same Matt channel, and same Matt length of 15 minutes or so. And in the meantime, please do me a favor. Go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave me a comment. And I'll see you tomorrow. And until then, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>